Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Awesome. As we continue in our series, I want you to know as the screen comes down and and you can see on my uh, right, your left, there's a little screen here with uh, various uh, people. Who Who are these people? Well, these are the life group leaders of our church. These are the disciple makers of our church. And they're awesome. And I thank God for you. And it's good to see you all. And um, hey, Bill Lloyd, good to see you, friend. Uh, you know, I, I'm just so grateful all throughout. If you have a, if you're a life group leader and you're in the room, could you actually raise your hand so we can see you? Look at these people around here. This awesome. Our church stayed together during the pandemic uh, in this crisis time because of our life group leaders, people who were helping the thousands of people who go to our church actually kind of stay connected to Jesus and one another. So thank you guys for your your service. And today we don't want them to be in cyberland and you don't really see them or know who they are. Some people worship with us, thousands of people worship with us every week um, who are not sitting here in the pews, but they're worshiping. So they will be on stage with me the whole time worshiping and it'll be part of the lesson. Lord, I pray as we get into your word, you would help us. You will lead us and guide us into the truth um, that we need to know. God, I pray that through the revelation of your word, that people could see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. God, so now let the word to my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer. Every glad and happy heart say amen. You know, I've been guilty. I've been guilty over the time of, of really being misled by listening to the wrong source. You remember when you were growing up and it was like the first person who got to mama and told what happened was the person that was believed. But that didn't mean they were a trustworthy source. You know, sometimes I think about the, the old telephone game. You remember, raise your hand if you remember playing telephone. You know, telephone, you whisper something in one person's ear and you pass the message down. So when you get to the last person, you say, what was the message? message? So you might say, I love Debbie a whole lot. And by the time it gets to the last person, it says, I hate the world and everybody in it. Because the message seems to change the further you get away from the source. And sometimes the closer we are to the source, we think it's reliable, but it's not actuality. In fact, in our world, because of how we have Facebook friends who are not really our friends or followers who are not really followers, they're just voyeurs, they're just looking into our life, um, we get this disillusionment that anybody we meet is a reliable source of information. You know, I was at a stoplight, my wife was in the car, and we needed some direction, and I just, I just, the first person I saw, I just yelled out to him, hey, hey, hi, you know, I just asked him the direction. I did it like six or seven times. You know, it took me an hour to get there, you know, and it wasn't quite reliable. They kind of, kind of sort of got me in the right direction. But it was a better source for me to go to, two sources. You could go to GPS, or I could ask my wife who was in the car who is a walking GPS, or one or the other. But I could, my pride would well, let me ask her. Sometimes we don't go to the right source 
because we don't like the delivery of the message. Today, I don't know about you, but we need to know where the trusted sources of information are. And what if I told you that getting the wrong information could cost you your life? But getting the right information could give you life. I feel like that's the situation that our biblical character in John chapter 3 finds himself in today. And I believe he relates to all of our life in that sometimes you think you've connected with the right thing, but you've only found out that your source was not good. And I'm going to show you how he corrected it in hopes that maybe we can correct the same thing. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 1. Got all my, I love y'all. Seeing y'all is is good. Good to see you. Okay, here in the room, we're going to read verses 1 through just 1 and 2. That's all we're going to read for a second. I want my online audience, my life group leaders, and all of you here on 3, I want you to read with some clarity, diction, and power. 1, 2, 3. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. All right, one more time, or we're not going to use you anymore in the service. Bill, are you ready? You threw that off, Bill. It was you. Yeah, okay, good. Upong, lead the way. Ready? One, two, three. It seems as if the person that is coming to Jesus sees him as a credible source. But from the very moment that you enter, they're introduced, if you really look at it more closely, they are discrediting Jesus' ability to bring clarity to any situation. They say, Rabbi. Now, up until this moment, the fame about Jesus and his credibility and the signs and wonders that he does it's just going everywhere. I mean, he's turning water to wine. You know, the scripture says before he's doing many, many, many mighty miracles and he's proclaiming who he is. He's got disciple, you know, following him. He, he, he's just phenomenal. But Nicodemus comes to him and just says, Rabbi. It, it's as if Nicodemus wants to be someone on the same level with God or, or the son of God, Jesus even though he's not. There's something about when we come to God with our titles. He is a Pharisee, uh, a Pharisee uh, that is a ruler uh, within the group. This is a council of over 70 men who were Sadducees and Pharisees who were religious and political leaders. They were like a Supreme Court. These would be the people who adjudicate, adjudicate different things, people who broke the law or broke the religious laws. They were men of wealth, prominence, and education. They did, in, in many people's eyes, everything right. They wore grand clothes and phylacteries, and, and they would you know, cross the water to make one proselyte but he would, the scripture says he would be twofold, the son of hell. They're also was synonymous with doing everything right, but being hypocritical because they would talk about their ability to keep the law and, and no one was really doing it well at all. Um, I want you to understand when he was a Pharisee, but a ruler, 
but then he says Jesus is a rabbi, it's almost another way of saying, I know more than you, but I want to talk to you anyway. And the Bible says that he came to him by night. I can imagine that when we, a lot of people want to seek Jesus in private, and they want to seek Jesus in the cover of night. Because nowadays, it is not popular to say you are a Christian or any other tag that's associated with Kirsten, Baptist, Evangelical. It seems as if that's the demonized word. And so I don't want to be guilty of associating, but in this case, it would be associating with the right source. But there is something in Nicodemus that knew, I've got to get to Jesus. There was something that he needed to get upgraded on. How do you know that? Because verse 3 gives us the clue. Jesus answered him, truly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, did Nicodemus in verse 1 or 2 ask Jesus a question? No. But Jesus says, I'm going to answer you. You see, in the verses before, the Bible says that Jesus knew the people's hearts and he knew that their minds, he knew what they were going through. He knew what the longing of their heart was. He knew that the very reason that Nicodemus had come to him is because he had an aching question that only Jesus had the answer to. Am I really saved? Do I have eternal life? Am I all, am I all right? Um, when I die, am I going to be in heaven? Now, everybody on this planet at some point faces that question, and it is a nagging question. But when you don't come to the right source, you can never get the answer. So when you're in darkness, you must come to Jesus to get the light. When you're in darkness, you must come to Jesus to get clarity. And when you're in darkness, sometimes you don't want to be honest with yourself. Therefore, you can't be honest with other people. But Jesus knows their heart, his heart and his mind and say, you want to know how to get into the kingdom, how to see God's way of doing things and being right, how to be under his rule, how to be under his way, how to be governed by him. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be turned into another man. You must be a new creation. Nicodemus, what I'm telling you is despite all of your education and despite all of your power and your prominence and your rich, rich living, you've got a problem and it's eternal. You don't have the answer to your question. But I'm giving it to you and you must be born again. Isn't it a difficult thing to understand that you might be in trouble? I had a dream uh, last night, it's a reoccurring dream that has different scenes that come to it. And I had lost my life in this dream. And I was in a car with other people who had lost their life. And we was driving to, to heaven. I don't know why you would be driving to heaven, but we was in a car and it wasn't a limo. And we were driving to heaven. I should have known something was wrong, but I didn't at the time. I was just happy. And I was driving there and we, 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 we've got to a waiting room. And, and they handed us some forms and we began to fill these forms out. And I'll come back to them later. Because in waiting in that death dream, waiting to see Jesus, waiting to enter uh, into heaven, I was being asked a question. Did I do enough to get in? I'll come back to the dream later. You don't want to hear the punchline yet. In verse 4 says this, Nicodemus said to him, 
How can a man be born again, born from above when he's old? You're playing games with my mind, Jesus. I'm pretty intelligent. I'm pretty smart. I treated you like a rabbi and a teacher. I want you to treat me with some respect. Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born and be new? Want to play with my mind? I'm pretty smart. I came to you with some respect. Give me some. Verse 6. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this on you. You must be born again, Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wants to. And he who hears the sound, and you hear the sound, but you don't know when it's coming and where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, I'm told you in the first opening of our relationship that there was a problem that you were having. You've got a question about whether or not you've been living good enough to be with me eternally, whether you've been living good enough to actually have eternal life. And I'm telling you, the answer is no. You've been limited to thinking it's what you do and it's what you say and it's how you live versus who I am and what I've done. And when I'm telling you that you've been stuck on an earthly narrative of how to achieve eternal life, and I'm trying to give you a spiritual narrative of how you achieve life. Yes, you probably got it limited to uh, when I say born of the water and born of the spirit, you saying, well, you got to be born of a mother because of her water breaking. And I, no, I'm not talking about that. Maybe you're thinking this is John the Baptist because John the Baptist says, truly, I baptize in water, but there's one coming after me that's going to baptize in the spirit. But, it, but it's beyond that. I'm talking about those Old Testament scriptures when I told you that I was going to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and write my word upon your heart. When I told you I was going to wash you with my word and I was going to put my spirit on the inside of you. You know that the, the, the statement in the New Testament says, what man knoweth the things a man say the spirit is in him? Even so the things of God knows nobody said the spirit of God is in him. He said, and we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, which teaches us freely all things that are given to us. So this Spirit of the Lord searches the deep things of God. And so the natural mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit, but they are spiritually discerned. In other words, Nicodemus, you got a real, 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 real big problem. You're dead in trespasses and sins. This is the condition of every man who has rejected the truth about who Jesus is. And I, I know you're coming to me in the cover of night, still clothed in your strength and still clothed in your power and still clothed in your rep rep uh, reputation and still clothed with your prominence. But I'm telling you, you need to strip all of that down because you don't have the most fundamental basic answer to all of life. Am I going to see the life giver in mercy or judgment? See, the Pharisees believed in eternal judgment. They believed in heaven and hell, but they believed because of their ethnicity and because of their work. Just being a Jew had you give faith passage. As long as you didn't create uh, blasphemy or apostasy, you were getting in and Jesus is bringing him to a crisis of his theology. See, when you're in darkness, you must come to Jesus to get the light turned on. 
And I know, I know, I know sometimes you get in church and sometimes you get around believers and you think that everything is a-okay only to realize there is a question in the depth of your heart. Am I really getting in? Most people wait and they make the mistake of answering the question in the afterlife. Because they somehow think there's a negotiation that's going to happen with God. No such thing is going to take place to when you're in darkness. I don't know whether you got to come in the cover at night. I don't know whether you need to type in the chat, help, sneak up to the altar, or whisper to a friend. But you've got to get this question answered. Am I born again? Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? I've already told you once, you're asking me questions and and you're talking to me in a way like I'm uneducated. I know the word. I know the Bible. I know what's going on. I know the Torah, so to speak. But I don't understand you yet, Jesus. I'm still in conflict. I came to you in darkness thinking perhaps you were a teacher who can illuminate me and enlighten me And the only thing you're doing is confusing me. Have you ever come to church or come to somebody that you believe that would have the answer and they start answering your questions and you got more questions than answers? Consider the source. Jesus says in verse 10, Jesus answered and said, are you a teacher? Excuse me. Are you the teacher of all Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Are you the main guy, not a teacher in Israel? You're the head guy. And you don't understand what I'm saying. You don't understand that you have a natural problem that needs a spiritual solution. You don't understand that you're dead in trespasses and sin. You don't understand that I'm coming to judge sin. You didn't understand every single thing that I was doing in the Old Testament to help you realize what you were not. You should know better than this. Why would he talk to a man that's coming to him for answers and deal with him so bluntly? Because the scripture makes it very clear that God has written the law on every man's heart. The Bible says in Romans, for the invisible things of God are, he said, for the the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For that which may be known about God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them, him, even his eternal power and his Godhead so that every man is without excuse. What is God saying? It said, I've made myself visible to everybody. When you turn and you look in another human's eyes, you're to see me. When you look at the sun and the moon and the stars, you're to see me. When you take your breath, you're to see me. There is no excuses here. Nicodemus, I'm, I'm, your, your education is blinding you. Your sources are blinding you. Somebody has told you there's another way that you can make it that is your, based on your strength versus mine. Do you still want to live with this type of problem? Then he said, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness that we have seen, but you did not receive it. Notice that he's using we statements, not I statements. Bearing witness, he's talking about the disciples that are there with him ministering 
to Nicodemus. He's talking about his life group leaders. He's talking about his disciples and disciple makers. He's talking about those who have already witnessed who Jesus is, who's accepted who Jesus is, who's come outside of the darkness and into the marvelous light, and they can testify that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. They can tell you he turned water to wine. They can tell you he gave a miraculous catch. They can tell you that he's healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. They can tell you he's done exceedingly abundantly above all the Thing. They can tell you what it says in John chapter 2 when he said he did many signs and wonders that amazed people and many believed him. They, they are there as a testimony. See, I love that Jesus could have done the work all by himself, but he's there doing it with his disciples. We, I can do the work by myself as, as, a, as, as a person on a platform, but I need to do it with Jesus' disciples. And when we come together as a group and two or three are gathered together in his name, not only is he there, but whatever you pray for or ask, it is accomplished. They're there fighting for Nicodemus' life. Don't go alone to fight for people's life. Jesus took some people with him. He could do it all by himself, but he took some people with him. And maybe you've been thinking, how can I win this unless I have some people to help me? Well, look at what Nicodemus needed to help him. He needed Jesus and a lot of people. So yeah, don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. They bore witness. I noticed the Bible says you overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's only what Jesus does. But by the word of their testimony, verse 13, oh no, he said, and I told you, he said, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe me, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I'm using carnal examples to prove to you a spiritual truth. If I tell you what I told Nathaniel, what we talked about last week, you're going to see heaven open up and angels ascending and descending. If I really brought you into the depths of the demonic realm and, and, and what's trying to kill you and hurt you and destroy you, man, you really would lose it. I'm reaching you where you're at. You must be born again. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended, the Son of Man. What he's saying is the reason I am a better source than you are as a teacher, the reason you can trust me is because I'm the one who ascends and descends. I'm the one from heaven, and I'm the one who came to earth that's going back. I'm not just the son of God. I'm the son of man. I'm fully God, and I'm fully man. And, 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 and what is called the hypostatic union, and it's fully God and fully man, I've got the solution for you. Jesus is the only person who refers to himself as the son of man. Right now, what he's saying to um, Nicodemus is, do you remember what Zechariah said? Remember what one of the prophets you read said? He talked about the son of man coming to cleanse and to purge and to, to bring glory on the earth. You should recognize I'm that guy. You see, what turns on the light, what turns on the light is when you're in the dark and you come to Jesus. And he's not going to illuminate uh, a way, he's going to illuminate him the way. He said, and he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, in, in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. So whoever believes in him would have eternal life. You see, the problem, Nicodemus, is that you're rejecting the testimony about me, but trusting in Jesus is the only way to go to eternal life. You've been trusting in yourself so long. 
You've been trusting in your knowledge so long, your ability so long that when you see your answer standing in front of you, you cannot say yes to me. Your problem is you need to trust me so you can have eternal life, but you mistrust me. You need to believe me so you can have eternal life, but you don't believe me. You don't have your confidence in me. And you're wondering why that nagging, aching feeling won't leave you alone. Because there's no reason for you to come to me except you've got some questions about your eternity. You've got the money. You've got the education. You've got the power. You've got the recognition. Why are you at my table? Because when, when the disciples came to Jesus, Jesus teached this kind of message. A lot of people left him. He turned to his disciples. Y'all going to leave me too? He said, where can we go? You've got the words to eternal life. I can't go anywhere. You've got the words. You see, no matter what sources you've been listening to, until you get to the source, you're in trouble. You see, the Jews had a problem. They thought they were the only way to God, the only ethnicity that was going to God, the only people that were doing it right. But they were rejecting the very answer that could bring them in. I'm not telling you to go out of here and disrespect other religions and other faiths by looking at them and looking down at them and talking crazy to them. That's not what believers do. But I don't want you going out of here thinking that because you run into religions that respect Jesus, that they're saying that Jesus is the way. Islam is not telling you Jesus is the way. Uh, Hinduism is not telling you that Jesus is the way. Buddhism is not telling you that Jesus is the way. Judaism is not telling you that Jesus is the way. Being a Baha faith is not telling you Jesus is the way. They're saying all of these ways actually live to God. But there is no other name given among men where you can be saved except the name of Jesus. There is no other way, Nicodemus. I know you've been thinking there was another way through your intellect, but there is no other way. And that's the problem. And then, and then it's not just that Jesus... Well, you can come to Jesus when you're in darkness and he'll turn to light. It's not just you can trust him for eternal life. This gift is for everyone. The most famous scripture of all time. Y'all know it. If I, you don't even have to look in your Bible. If I say, quote, John 3, 16, you would say, for God. See, he's trying to make it clear. You think that what I'm telling you, Nicodemus, because you're coming tonight, is of a private interpretation. But the people that I have sitting at the table with me, my disciples, who you probably don't respect because they come from a lower class. They come from a group of people who, who you always feel subjugated to you and, and they always feel uh, less than you and you always feel superior to them. But I'm telling you that I, the son, I love, God so loved the world, he gave me the only begotten son. He was begotten. He was not, cre he was created, not, I mean, he was, he was begotten, not made. He was, the, he pre-existed before the beginning. He said, look, he, he said he wrapped himself in flesh. He said, I so love the world. God so loved the world, he gave. He didn't send the son into the world to condemn it, but through, through the son, you might have life. Jesus did not show up in your life, Nicodemus. Jesus does not show up in your life, James Lowe, to condemn you, to tell you that you're, you, you are sentenced to a life absent from me. He shows up into your world to show you there's an answer to the nagging question, am I saved? Am I born again? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. There is no other way. In verse 19, and this is the judgment that the light is coming to the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. For everyone who is wicked does wicked things, hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. This is our problem. We love darkness, but he loves the world. The Bible said, while you are yet a sinner, Christ died for you. When he gave the analogy a few verses above that, that, that Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, he, this was a bronze serpent that he put on a pole because the people had sinned against God and they were dying. And he said, anyone that could look on this object with something dead on it, the pole, that very thing is hurting. If you can look to this, you could live. And he said the same thing. If the son of man be lifted up, he would draw all men to him. So when you look to Jesus and you believe in his sinless life, that, 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 his, that, that his death, his burial and his resurrection, you could be lifted up. You could be brought up. You could be born again. You could be born from above. You could be born of heaven. You can be not condemned, but full of eternal life. What is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to take me out of a nightmare that had me sitting there in my dream with a sheet of paper in a room with a bunch of other people who have presumably gone to heaven. And the people that were checking us into the heaven's waiting room in my dream, which is not reality. I had my pen and it had a list of questions. And it was asking me about my life. And the first question I remember said, did you did you have a will? I said, yes. Did you have, did you leave enough for your wife and children to be taken care of? I said, yes, yes. And then it started asking stuff like, have you sinned? Well, yes. But why are you asking me that? Because I thought the purpose of serving Jesus was that he was removing your sin. He was blotting out your transgression. He was casting as far as the east is from the west. And this is when I began to realize that I must be in a nightmare. Because there's no way that the good news about Jesus eradicates my sin problem by believing in him. And now somehow I'm going to get to heaven and they're going to ask me to give an account for sin. I did that on earth. I said, yes, I'm dead in trespasses and sin, but I accept the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I believe everything about him and it blots out my transgressions. I'm born again. And all of a sudden it's over and I'm waking up. Saying, yeah, the enemy didn't trick me. Check the source. What's the source? The word. The word brings light and life. A lot of people are walking in this world full of darkness. And the only reason you stay in darkness, according to this scripture, is because you love evil. He that is born of God does not commit sin habitually because he cannot sin. For God's seed remains in him. Being born of not corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the word of God, which is the gospel that we preach. What is he trying to do? Nicodemus, your name means victorious people, victorious person. You've been the hero of your own story. Have you been the hero of your own story? You don't have enough if the source is you. 
You don't have enough if the source is the government. You don't have enough if the source is your, your social media platform. You don't have enough if it's just your favorite preacher. You only have enough when you believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, the only way to renewal, the only way to freedom, the only way to good things, the only way to life eternal, the only way to dispel darkness and get into the light. It's only when you believe in this Jesus that you set free. Nicodemus, you came to me in the nighttime, but I'm illuminating your mind. You've got to be born again. It is frustrating. Stand to your feet. It is frustrating when you come and you think you've got the answer to the question. And someone says, no, here's what you've got to do. This is an imperative. He's saying you must do this. Look at verse 36. It, in the chapter ends, I think, 35 or 36, if you have that scripture. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You have it. It's in your possession. You're not waiting to get it, Nicodemus. You can get it today. Behold, the scripture says in John 10, 10, behold, I give unto you eternal life. Neither shall you perish. Neither shall any man pluck you from my hand. My father is greater than all and no man can pluck you from his hand. You're not going to get life. Right now, the moment you believe you have eternal life, I'm not waiting till I die to figure out if somebody can evaluate me. I'm talking to the source. And he who the son sets free from the pain and the guilt is free indeed. I don't know about you, but if I had to go back and list my sins, they're too numerous. If I had to list my iniquities the way I think, they're too vast. But he blots out my transgression. I want to announce it again. You're not your sin. You're not your iniquity. You're not your bad habit or your, or your past disposition. When he washes you, he washes you clean. He gives you a clean slate. But you don't know what I did last night. He dealt with that too. You don't know what I've been thinking since I've been in church. He dealt with that too. See, he's saying, Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh has no power. But that which is born of the spirit has the power that the spirit provides, which is all power. All power. Don't run from this, Nicodemus. Don't run to your own victory, your own way of thinking. Your source has been wrong. He wants everybody, black and white, Latinos, Native Americans, Asians, young, old, men, women, children. He wants us all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. And I love how he says in Isaiah 1 verse 18, come, let us reason together. Come, Nicodemus, let's talk about it. Come, James Lowe, let's talk about it. Come, sinner, let's talk about it. Though your sin be as scarlet, I'll make it wider. Jesus is not afraid to have a conversation with you. He's not afraid for y'all to talk about, well, well, what about this and what about that? But the answer is not going to change. You must be born again. I want to pray for two sets of people today. Maybe you've been like Nicodemus and we don't know in the scripture whether he really became born again or not. 
Now, other extra biblical writings would say that he did become born again. Joseph of Arimathea, he was there to, he defended Jesus in John 7. And then he, again, when Jesus died, he was a part of helping him um, get his tomb with Joseph of Arimathea, who, who was a believer. So all the signs point to him actually becoming a believer, but we don't know. I don't want anybody when I die to leave it as a question mark. Was Pastor James really saved? Y'all gonna say, we got a lot of messages. He showed, yeah, I think so. What do people say about you? What do you say about you? Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. What are you waiting on, the perfect day? The Bible says the day you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The message wasn't designed to, for you to just have information. It was designed for you to come into a revelation and a surrender. To so the first group is those who need to surrender. And the second group are those who need to be the disciples who are gathered around Jesus, like our life group leaders, helping other people follow Jesus. Have you been avoiding the terminology disciple and disciple maker and helping people follow Jesus? You just think it's a church program? You have a plethora of Nicodemuses waiting to come talk to you. I'm not saying maybe some of you are just going to do it with your family. But this story reminds me that we could do it with each other. We could do it with the lost. Bow your head, close your eyes. Life group leaders, pray with me. Begin to intercede. If you're online, I want you to type in the chat. You might be afraid, but if you don't know Jesus, if you're not sure if you're, not, if you're born again, I just want you to say, I'm not sure, and I won't help following Jesus. If you're here in this room, no one's going to call you out, but right now you need to say it to Jesus. I'm like Nicodemus. I've been trusting in myself. I need your help. I need, me and you need to spend some time together. I, I've got a lot of questions. I need you to bring your disciples around me. I need help. You need to tell them right now. I'm not going to do it for you. Tell them, I need your help. Help me. Help me. Help me. The second group I want to pray for are those of us who know the truth, but we don't share the truth. We've lost the ability to care about Nicodemus. We're just trying to wait till the world is over and we can just go to heaven. We're not here to make the world a better place for the hurting and the lost and the vulnerable. We've been thinking about ourselves. We need to repent for our selfishness and self-centered life and ask God to forgive us. So Lord, I pray for the first group. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, the Bible says, whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in the, in the chat or if you're in your room, just begin under your breath saying, yes, Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead. It's not just a story. It's a revelation. I surrender to you. I surrender. For those of you who already know him, well, your life has been about you. You don't care about Nicodemus. Ask for him to continue to make sure your heart is not stony, but it's soft and pliable. Tell them to give you a revelation of who you can love that's on your left or your right or around you. Because the world is going to be a better place when you do this. Lord, whether people are coming to you for the first time or rededicating their life, 
or recommitting to be disciple makers. I pray that you would breathe on them, that you would let them know that today is their day of salvation, that they would have the bravery to say, you know, today I got saved. Today I got eternal life. Today I gave my life to the Lord. Or say, today I committed to just being a disciple maker. Bless us, Lord. Bless us as we leave this place with not your presence. Keep us in the center of your will and the apple of your eye. We will continue to give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God praise and glory. Before you leave, don't view this as a church program. View this as a revival waiting to happen in your life. Text that number. Get your devotional. So next week, you could be right with us, following along in the Bible. There are life group leaders who have life group shirts in this room. There are people online waiting to love you and, and be with you. I'll see you on Friday at No Ordinary Love. If you're not signed up, come get signed up for No Ordinary Love. My wife on Monday might let me in the woman's Zoom for the cooking class because I'm going to eat the, eat the, whatever it is you're making, I'm going to eat that. It's a cookie. God bless you. You are dismissed. We love you.